Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Daboki, David Brothers, Chip Starsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher. Follow along with our show notes and our reading list at mangasplaining.com. As we mentioned, I am Christopher. I'm hosting this week, and our pick of the week is a very special manga to me. It's called Paradise Kiss. It was originally released as part of the pre-manga boom back in back in the 2000s, back in 2000, actually, and it's by Ayazawa, and it was published by Tokyo Pop at the time. Today, it is published by our good friends at Vertical Inc. and Kodansha Comics, because I'm unclear as to whether or not Vertical Inc. still exists, <laughs> but that's okay. So this is a weird one. When I picked this, I thought this was technically going to be our first shoujo manga, and shoujo is girls' comics. It's the it's the complement to shonen manga, which is boys' comics. But in doing the research for this episode, everything I pulled up described it as a Jose manga, uh, which is to say a women's manga. And I don't know that I agree with that, but I don't also think it's a shoujo manga either. This is a manga that ran in a fashion magazine called Zipper. It ran from 1999 to 2003. It ran on monthly. It was a monthly monthly. Uh, uh, comic book series, uh, monthly serialization. And it has a lot in common in that regard with one of the manga we've already covered on the podcast, which is Kyoko Kazaki's Helter Skelter, which also ran in a, uh, a different fashion magazine. Zipper was sort of like a punk Japanese street style kind of a magazine for young people in their teens and 20s. It isn't a Jose magazine. It's not a shoujo magazine. It's a fashion magazine. And I think that lends a very unique flavor to this book, which is about people in their teen years, coming of age, making that next step to adulthood. But it also is not afraid to show those next steps to adulthood in a way that maybe does not resonate with uh, what you think of as a shoujo girls manga for 13-year-olds. This is an interesting one because this actually started serializing while it was still serializing in Japan. So this actually ran in a Japanese style manga magazine here in North America, published by Tokyo Pop called Smile. This was one of the debut series and it came out one chapter a month in the Smile magazine before Smile sort of folded and it eventually went straight to Tonkapon, straight to graphic novel. It started serializing before it ended in Japan, which is a little more common these days, especially with things like Shonen Jump, having the digital, having the same release date in English as it does in, in Japan for the for each individual chapter. In the you know 2000, that was actually a really big deal. Uh, usually we would get manga years after they had come out in Japan. And so this was really close. And you can tell that it was still coming out because the first volume of the Tokyo Pop Paradise Kiss manga is rated 13 plus. And then it... <laughs> Jumps to 16 plus <laughs> midway through. I think, the, I think the Kodansha volume says it's 16 plus, but it should probably be, it's probably closer to mature. And that's because teens be getting up to things in this manga <laughs> that is not necessarily comfortable. But it's I keep accurate. forgetting they're teens. They, they keep forgetting they're teens. There's a great <laughs> section in the manga where the author writes at the bottom, please remember that these are still teens because they do something that is ridiculous and over the top. It's pretty great. So, so yeah, this is, a, this is an old manga. Something being coming out in 2000 and being described by old makes me feel old. But it's true. 
<laughs> and that's that's what we got to do. So let's let's get up to date with this. So it's released in two different editions by Tokyo Pop, uh, five volumes each before they went belly up. It was rescued by Vertical Inc. and republished in 2012 in a three-volume edition, probably matching a Japanese edition, Bunko edition. It featured a new translation, but some readers found that really controversial at the time because they really softened some of the dialects and some of the accents that the characters had gotten in the Tokyo Pop editions. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. The series also got an anime adaptation from 2005 and 2006 which was really well regarded, really popular, and very, very close to the manga, which although crammed into 12 episodes is uh, is very accurate to what happened in the manga, which isn't always something that happens with manga to anime adaptations. And it's interesting because that vertical edition has remained in print, but Paradise Kiss, when it first came out in 2000 and Smile, was a revelation. It was, at that point, the most mature shoujo, or possibly even jose depending again on how you how you look at it that we had ever got in the west it was a huge huge deal and it was very of the moment the fashions the styles it was all very contemporary and really tied into um if you remember fruits which was a book that tashin published which was a collection of japanese street style photography from the turn of the millennium and some of the uh other less authentic appropriations of Japanese culture into the West via Madonna and Gwen Stefani. That style, that, that's this. This is a time capsule in a lot of ways. So the anime has m- maintained its popularity by being available on you know, Crunchy or Funimation or wherever it is. And so people are still discovering this, this story years and years later. And that's why it earned a 20th anniversary edition, which came out last year. This monster manga, or... 800 freaking pages, as Chip described it earlier this week, <laughs> collects all five or three uh, of the vertical editions in one crazy massive book that's probably three inches thick. I've never seen that before in manga. I'm actually kind of surprised that happened, but I am happy it happened so that a new generation of readers can be shocked and titillated and delighted by Paradise. Titillated. <laughs> titillated is a good one. <laughs> I do like in the last chapter that Yazawa Sensei, the mangaka, just stops giving a shit and just full on draws some boobs when she takes good, great pains to obscure up until the last point chapter. Because what are they going to do? Cancel her? She's done. All right. So that's that's Paradise Kiss. That's Ayazawa. There's still so much more to talk about, but I want to hop in and we haven't actually asked Chip what he thinks first in a few weeks now, maybe Which almost a last month. week. No, no, we. Uh, I think we skipped you. No, uh, no, we did it last week, and I was angry. Chip, do you not want to go first? All right. <laughs> you know what? Since Deb has already been so delighted and has a long memory for manga like I have, we'll ignore Chip for now. Good. Deb, would you like to talk? What do you think about Paradise Kiss? <laughs> oh, obviously, I love it. Oh, yay! Yeah. I mean, it's it's beautifully drawn. Uh, mm. The story is really satisfying. Um, the characters are great. The it's it is of a moment. I mean, because when you look at these kids from a fashion school, and you think, "Wow, there's no Instagram or anything like that, right?" <laughs> mm. And and they're all kind of like stressing out about certain stuff. But there's something really. Um, I guess what I when I was reading rereading it again, I was really enjoying how much they break the fourth wall. Mm. Yeah, like, there's yeah, all these moments, you yeah. know, where like Isabella like goes like. like please more of me in this chapter it's like or like they flip back like well a couple pages ago you said this and all that. <laughs> yeah it's very clever and and 
it uh, makes it really kind of a delightful read. It's kind of winking and nodding at the reader, mm-hmm. but, but so which makes it a little lighter because some at some point you know the story could be really heavy. Yeah, with, absolutely. With the way that the the relationships go, like the way that George and uh, Yukari bounce off each other or, or like rub up against each other, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of show. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like he can he can be really kind of twisted, and mm. I I have to admit it gave me flashbacks. Like, oh yeah, I remember relationships like that. They mm. were hard. They were tr- they were or feeling like that. So mm. I, I think and the way that like the even the relationship between I forget the name of the girl the, the girl Miwako Miwako yeah and Arashi like mm-hmm. how it resolves itself in the end. It's like, mm. wow, you know, it, that relationships that you think are characters that you think are fairly shallow or easy to understand over time develop. She reveals a lot and makes them deeper and more interesting and more complex. So I think there's a lot to unpack with this book. It, it the fact that I can read it over and over again mm-hmm. over several years and still find it delightful, I think speaks well of it. I was a little bit worried about myself about reading it again because I remembered some of the the darker moments that you find out about in the last last bit of the series and wondering how they would resonate in uh, in 2021, whatever it is now. And uh, I was really impressed by how deftly she handled, uh, Yazawa-sensei handled those feelings and those relationships and didn't shy away from things. So yeah, I agree with you there. David, did you have you read this before? Uh, I probably read the first of the three volumes that came out, like that edition. Okay. Uh, cause I definitely yeah. knew the, the early stuff, like where she, and she's like, Oh, like school sucks. Want to hang out with these art school weirdos, all that good stuff. But no, this is my first time through the full series. Oh, I didn't mm. know that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, obviously I, you know, I'd heard a lot about it. I have a lot of friends who are really into it and probably much like chip. I was daunted when I opened it to the table of contents and saw 48 <laughs> chapters. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. My first thought was, oh, man, I should have started earlier. (laughs) I liked it. I kind of had a hard time getting into it to a certain extent because, like, I'm 37 years old and, like, teenage romantic (laughs) drama is really irritating. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, there's several moments where I'm like, oh, my goodness, just, like, communicate. Just say what you're feeling. Yeah. Uh, Which is obviously like the exact opposite point of the genre. Like the drama is the point, like the the push and pull, the will they, won't they kind of thing. Uh, But like half the cast was super abusive, Mm. which I thought was interesting. But the other half were kind of adults who were telling the teens what they needed to hear but couldn't understand yet. Hmm if that distinction makes sense. So it's sort of like teens living their lives and, you know, doing whatever comes to their mind. And then the adults who are a little bit older, but still kind of like crappy being like, no kid, like you want to aim in this direction. And them kind of learning from each other a little bit. Uh, like Yukari and George's mom, their relationship I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That was, that whole sequence was, that chapter was crazy. Yeah. Cause there's a moment where the like the mom realizes, Oh, like I let the shtick go a little bit too far. And now I need to like, kind of, mom up and you know mom the kid but also like yukari is like super into overstepping i thought like she's always messing something up for someone else Mm. yeah Uh, i'm sure we'll get into it later but overall like i was really entertained i thought that 
figuring out like the point of view of the story, kind of the story it was trying to tell versus the story that I had assumed it was telling in like a romantic sense was kind of fun. Yeah. And like Deb, like I really liked the fourth wall breaking stuff. It was constant for like 10 chapters, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. like a little bit much, but like I appreciated it at the same time when he was reading the prior chapter to see Yukari's thoughts. It was so good. Yeah. Like especially when they were talking about her posing for Zipper magazine, and they're like, "Oh, that's the magazine this manga appears in." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a level of fourth wall breaking I've never seen before. Yeah, it was very impressive. <laughs> the the first time that happened for me that I was like, "Oh, right, that's what this manga is," was the uh, when she says, "Yes, she's going to model for them," and they're like, "Great, this has become the." Caroline joins the Paradise Kiss crew uh, episode where we have to have a party. Hurry up, we're running out of pages. Yeah, and that was like the the self conscious naming of the chapters as they happen at the beginning was was such a nice little <laughs> nice little moment. The fourth wall breaking was really really good. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot with the pacing stuff because even mm. here we go because it's manga planning after dark, but when. when <laughs> When 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 George is like, uh, I'm gonna come now. Sorry, we'll blame it on the fact that there's no more space in this chapter. Like, yeah, yeah. if only I could do that in real life. And then there's a follow up <laughs> joke to that joke on in the next chapter. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There was one weird thing. I don't know if, like, I feel like a lot of the pages. It doesn't matter if they're on the left or the right side. If that makes sense. Mm. Like some of yeah. them definitely are meant to be, you know, like folio recto or whatever. Like a spread. Uh, but it was like a weird vibe throughout the book. And there's only two spreads, like the title page. Uh, and then one, like, I think maybe one of the last pages in the book was a spread. But there was something about the formatting where I was, it felt really dense and kind of overwhelming at the same time. Hmm. There's like no, a staccato, um, like drum beat. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no uh, space between panels. And yeah. I'll have to drop some some images in here, but like this artist in particular does not almost ever have any gutters. It's just yeah. panel butted right up to panel, right butted right up to panel, and it mm -hmm. does create um, that drum beat, that staccato. I find it overwhelming sometimes too, but I think that's part of it. I think you're supposed to feel overwhelmed, and when you do get those, like when it finally opens up, like when you get the uh, the big reveal at the end, mm -hmm. it feels like the manga is just breathing in a way that it doesn't before that point. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with that observation for sure. Chipper, Chris? <laughs> finally got back to you. Finally got back to you, buddy. What'd you, what'd you think of Paradise Kiss, bud? Sorry, I, I needed extra time to finish reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> 800 pa 850 pages it's a big one this yeah. is not a uh not to be undertaken lightly yeah i feel like this book is extremely well done in terms of like kind of complicated storytelling and complicated relationships mm. also at the same time i hate almost every character in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> tell me more tell me more yukari i just can't stand her I can't stand how she treats others. I can't stand her inner monologue. I can't stand almost every action she does and flailing and crying and screaming and just like, <laughs> like, and, and almost like on a dime, just out of nowhere. I'm just like, I wouldn't want to be around her ever, like in any situation. And on the mm. flip side, there's George, uh, there's a character I also detest. 
because mm-hmm. of everything about him and the way he acts, <laughs> uh, how he treats people, and just like the the wild manipulation, which you know I know is kind of part of the story, but mm-hmm. it's it's so over the top and obvious that I, I I felt no affinity for him as a character, and I didn't want her to be with him, and I didn't no. want him to be with her either. So it, it's weird because you're kind of like you're kind of rooting. You're rooting against a couple you don't like throughout the whole thing, and you kind of know that she's going to end up with uh, was his name Hero. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that part coming. But go on. Oh, I totally. Never mind. We'll come back to it. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, <laughs> it, it it seemed that way, anyways, because like you know he's the initial crush that kind of pops up a bit more towards the end, especially in his relationship with the, the other duo who I also detested. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the weird thing is I love this. I love this book. Mm-hmm. So it, it's complicated. It's complicated. The storytelling is because Milako is a child. Like she's an actual child in this book, the way she talks and acts, the way she refers to herself in the third person. She's in, she's the way she's drawn. She's like, and she's an infant mm-hmm. who even has like a bottle that says magic brain pills or whatever on it. Like, you know, which, you know, is an interesting bit of storytelling, but also just adds to the infantilization of this, of this young woman who also, I can't tell throughout this story if any of the female characters enjoy sex. Yeah. Like, mm. like, like, Milwako seems to be kind of like, oh, you need cheering up? Let's have sex. And uh, Caroline or Yukari has just, like, she's using sex as a, a means of closeness. Mm. But, but her only kind of description of sex is in the first time, like, will this ever feel good? Yeah, she doesn't really talk that about that. That line really that struck me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she doesn't really come back to that. She, she, but, you know, there's some really beautiful, elegant storytelling in terms of like her description of sex about, you know, she wants the, the gap closed between them. Mm-hmm. Like there's some really beautiful stuff in there. And then, you know, and then we get to, uh, Arashi who is complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also a rapist. <laughs> so <laughs> There is that. And, and not really like he's kind of like a nice guy in some ways by default because George is such a shit. Mm-hmm. Like if, if Arashi existed on his own throughout the narrative, you'd be like, oh, fuck this guy. This guy's just like an asshole <laughs> and treats his girlfriend like shit and like gets jealous and breaks her phone. Then you find out he also like forced himself on her at the beginning of their relationship several times all that leads you to hate the character, but he's somehow a little bit more redeemable because George is a piece of shit as well. Mm. Like there, there's, yeah, I, there's a lot here in this, in this book. And then, <laughs> and then you, and then, you know, you kind of, you come back around on George when you kind of meet his parents a bit, but it still doesn't quite excuse him. And then you find out how, um, how supportive he was of Isabella and and that's also just like oh that's really nice. But then Isabella's mm-hmm. kind of wasted as a character as well because she's mm-hmm. just kind of there. She exists solely to make George look good at the end of the story. Which uh, I don't know if feels, I agree with you there, but that is a function she definitely performs. There's not a lot else going on there. She has no arc. Everyone else has something going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she doesn't really. Mm. 
So, so, but the main purpose feels like at the end is, hey, George isn't so bad. I think she has that and like one conversation with Yukari where she's yeah. kind of in like a mentor, good advice type of role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is fine, but seems like a bit of a waste of the character. So yeah, it's like, I, I did like it and I liked how smart it was and, and how complicated it was. It is weird being titillated by teenagers, even if <laughs> they're drawings <laughs> on a page. <laughs> that that part's a little bit like as soon as it starts to heat up or whatever, I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, this is. Oh wait, no, wait, how old are they? Uh, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I wish the translator had just gone in and wrote like twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the story could have easily have been the kids were the the kids were in art like art college. Yeah, yeah. It, it still yeah. would yeah. make sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense that them in high school. Because you could still fudge it though. Uh, there's well, sorry. There's a we there's a concept in Japan of when you go to university. That's your last free time in your life, basically, before you join the rat race and commit yourself to whatever for whatever. And when I when I read this the first time, that's where I thought they were. I thought that they were in university and she was yeah. studying for university exams and stuff. The only clue that they're that they're that age at the beginning, especially is when George says he got his license three days ago. And then in the next, I think page, someone's like, Oh man, you're lucky your birthday's early in the year. So you get to get your license early. And you're like, Oh, right. They, these are teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they absolutely are written exactly like they are people in that like 2021 kind of space. Yeah. But the high school stuff excuses the kind of the decision-making of the characters a lot more, which is, mm-hmm. I can see why they, they decided to make it high school. It's, 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 it really is to excuse a lot of what happens in the story and the decisions of the characters. It's, funny enough, it, it, the, the, the setting for it all reminded me a bit of Beastars. I mean, everything reminds mm. me of Beastars now, but. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you, did you read chapter, volume three? I had to read 800 pages this week, Deb. What do you think I'm doing? I was just wondering if we could, talk about, we could <laughs> talk about the egg salad sandwich. Oh, no, we can't. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Every time. Mm. But I, was, I was thinking of Beastars because the school setting there is so just kind of like uh, like window dressing for the big drama school of it all, which feels yeah. so much bigger than high school would generally have it be and here it's the same with the fashion show it feels like it's like the biggest event that could happen in the city um <laughs> i also i really appreciated the fact that there's an 800 page book dedicated to the build-up of this fashion show and the grand prize <laughs> and they did not show them losing yeah that that was actually really impressive i'm just like oh man yeah. that's that takes guts to kind of pull that move i i liked yeah. it and and those scenes are beautiful too mm-hmm. like the, the the scene of her coming out in the dress it's just gorgeous like all the fashion stuff in this is really really special i like the philosophy that came after the uh after they lose the grand prix when he's like look like you've been complaining all day but like we worked really hard we did exactly what we wanted to do so Mm -hmm. if anyone's failed it's me i thought that was a really Mm. interesting perspective on collaboration yeah and also taking personal responsibility yeah yeah and also just like uh admonishing uh carolyn for being negative for, for being so negative and like kind of you know not basically not reading the room and understanding that this is all their work yeah you know because sometimes you just, you fall into that trap where you want to be angry on someone's behalf yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
even if they're not angry and that anger is not going to help the situation at all, but you feel like you're being a friend by, by doing that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really nice, like subtle kind of life lessons and stuff throughout this. If I, if I, uh, again, if I just kind of like the characters a, a bit more, um, I probably would be more all in on this. I think if you liked the characters a little bit more, you would like the series less. I think it needs to be, I need these characters need to be messy in a way that they are personal. No, I, I, I need like 20%. Like I, I don't think I don't think I would be lost by the book mm. if uh, like I just do not like those two main characters on almost any level, and so if there was a just a little bit of mm-hmm. or, or or just tamping down or at least making George, especially in the beginning, seem like a character somebody would like. Yeah, because there's, there's All nothing he has about is the and, mystery. Yeah, and it, I guess it, it, looks. It, it ramps up so quickly. And like when 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 he walks by, I think it was her and Hero. Mm-hmm. You know, they barely talked at that point. And then she, he told her like it was pretty damaging seeing you with that other man. And he says it with that, you know, that nothing look on his face. I'm just like, oh, kind of fuck this story a little bit. Like, <laughs> the fact that, and also maybe because in the back of my head, I'm like, this is 800 pages. You have the space to kind of build that in a better way. Because mm-hmm. so much of the book is just dedicated to her just like just flip flopping and going just mad about this guy and this guy just being shitty that there could have been more space kind of dedicated to understanding why she'd be interested in this guy. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. But I think you can intuit it by by the end. Yeah. But I kinda yeah. got why she was fascinated by him and Yeah. I don't know and I got why she was attracted to his 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 air of not caring because she, the way she, the life that she was living was, you know, all the things that was be, she was being pressured into and mm-hmm. you know, feel, feeling unhappy about yeah. um, being set on this path of, you know, go to, go to school, go to college, get a boring job. Like none of it was resonating with her did to, to see someone who, for whom none of this mattered mm-hmm. was fascinating. And, and yeah, I, I guess a good contrast. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely a good contrast, and I get the idea of the handsome, aloof character being attractive because that's who I am. Hey, mm. me too. Oh, oh yeah, no, we have so much in common. <laughs> I am the jumbo of this relationship. I'm the best friend that helps move things. Maybe that's Sorry. why. Maybe that's why he rubs you the wrong way because he's because <laughs> he's basically there was definitely me. a moment no. where, um, at one point, Yukari was describing something about him, and I was like. Uh, that kind of sounds like me a little bit, and like my contempt for George just got even worse, you know? Because <laughs> I really, um, we should probably ask Chris what he thinks of the book after this. Yeah. But so, like, I've dated multiple people with blue hair, and throughout this book, I kept thinking this blue hair douchebag. Like, just, I disliked him that much because <laughs> yeah. they're so like he's so controlling, but then. It's like passively aggressively demanding in a weird way. Like he doesn't want, you know, uh, a servile woman, but he wants someone he can completely control as long as she's independent, but not too independent. And also she should read his mind. But he's just pushing her buttons because he can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think his sense of humor was pretty funny sometimes, but he was definitely (laughs) like mind gaming her in a way where I was like, come on, man. Like this is such teenage nonsense yeah and he's and doing that makes and, it good <laughs> i know but like he's doing that and then she's 
her inner monologue is just summing that up and going back and forth on it and back and forth on it like just yeah constantly that it just it just felt like too much and i felt like the space could have been devoted a, just a little bit more towards getting me somewhat on the side of either of those characters yeah but again you know, right i'm not i'm not i'm not necessarily the audience you yeah, aren't and i think that the way that this blew up really points to the idea that a lot of people were on the sides of these characters Mm-hmm. That George was an archetype for the kind of shitty, hot guy that was in a lot of young women's lives at that time, whether they were the shitty, hot jock guy or the shitty, hot alternative guy, as George happens to be. And throw in the bi thing, right? Which yeah, is like, right. And that's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. in 2000 is scandalous. Mm-hmm. So there's a real good tell in the first chapter. And I, I've been reliably informed by the internet that not everyone reads every manga that we cover on this podcast before they listen to the podcast. So I'm going to take <laughs> just one second to recapture, re, 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 recapitulate the plot, which is there's a girl, her mom sucks. She is being forced to like study pressure, 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 pressure. She is scouted by and bumps into this group of teens that go to a special arts high school. They are in the fashion program very specifically. They want her to model their work for the big end of year fashion show situation that comes with, you know, prizes and whatever and whatever and whatever. She is initially resistant but allured by the fact that they live a very different kind of life than the life she's been forced to live up to this point, a life that she hates and has caused her to hate everyone around her. So she gets sucked into their world. It's an Alice in Wonderland situation where all these people don't seem to be being any rules around them as they like have a beautiful clubhouse that used to be a bar and there's booze everywhere and like make beautiful fashions and no interesting people. And some of them are bi or gay or trans. Like it's all very Alice in Wonderland until uh, you meet the, you know, you meet the red queen, queen of hearts and things go real shitty for the lead character, uh, which is to say fucking George. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. Turns out he's not the white rabbit. He's the he's the queen of hearts all along. And it's about it is a very much about that. But the tell the tell in the first chapter is that George, the aesthete, beautiful, bisexual, blue haired fellow uh, who is the romantic protagonist of the story, a rom- romantic uh, interest of the story, Yukari slash Caroline. They, she has two names. It's It's in there. Don't worry about it. Is in love with or in something with he quotes brian slade from velvet goldmine saying you know uh, i think they changed the quote too between the tokyo pop edition and the paradise kiss uh, or the vertical edition but the quote is somebody to the effect of a man lives and dies by his image brian slade whom this character george patterns himself after is the fucking villain of velvet goldmine he's oh. the bad guy in velvet goldmine i don't know if you guys have seen a velvet goldmine yeah. this, like, beautiful rock star bisexual you know beautiful creature kind of a thing 2000s supposed to be like a take on david bowie sort of a situation yeah he's a fucking monster in that movie our lead character has taken the wrong bits <laughs> from Velvet Goldmine. He's taken the fashion, he's taken the beauty and the drama and the whatever, and the manipulative, shitty mind game moves, and not noticed that at the end of the movie, the Brian Slade character is not a good person. And I won't spoil it, because we didn't say we were going to spoil, spoil Velvet Goldmine in this, in this podcast. We said we were going to spoil <laughs> Paradise Kiss. So 
there are influences on this that range from shoujo and jose manga that range from contemporary film and fashion and music especially music which is not always a uh, it's it's you know comic book you don't always hear the music of the time it felt this manga tries to capture the idea of a revolutionary feeling and it does that by starting in a place and chip i hate to tell you this there are a lot of shoujo manga where the characters are this unlikable or worse. Hot gimmick. Uh, I was going to go right to hot gimmick, actually. (laughs) Difference between something, and hot gimmick was the most popular shoujo in English when it was coming out, has literally, uh, it's not as bad, it doesn't have as bad of an ending as Bunny Drop, but it's pretty close. It's a hate, it's a hate love thing. You really, you really hate the reading. Hana Yori Dango, oh my God. (laughs) right but the thing i like about paradise kiss the most is that this is always portrayed as a fantasy world because it feels more important to the people who are living in it but you get these views from the adult world from the outside and even when the adults are pieces of shit like yukari's mom who i hope gets hit by a car (laughs) wow yeah fuck her if you don't oh, want me to feeling. hit, if you don't want me to hit me, don't piss me off. Hit you, don't piss me off. Yeah, she can get hit by a car. Fuck her. <laughs> the ending is what saves this book because it's it's a it's an author who, when she wrote it, wasn't much older than the what the, the characters in here. Maybe maybe a decade. Mm. She's had a manga career, but she dropped out of you know college to to make manga. Yeah, she's making manga. She's done a very popular series, which is actually the prequel to this one. And this is her like this is her big thing she's getting a a fashion magazine situation the whole deal and she's like yeah sometimes you're going to date a guy who's just bad for you sometimes you're going to date a guy who you really really love and is going to fuck up early in your relationship and you get to decide how you want to handle that you're empowered there Mm -hmm. and you can be someone who is you know i have a lot of sympathy for moako didn't on the first reading actually she was she was the character i hated the most because of her baby talk shit which by the way they really really toned down in the vertical edition she used to talk like a like a bad bad cartoon character but in a way that became endearing by the end of the book like but here's the thing all of you look me in the eye or the camera eye and tell me you don't know a girl who talked in faux baby talk at you about everything that they did because i knew that girl i knew like three of that girl this is a very real character to me (laughs) and this is like these are people who, you know, I knew the punk guy who like put up a tough exterior was just a mess inside. I knew the, the, let's say the George character and Yukari is like, there's a reason she's the protagonist. None of this struck me as unrealistic, especially for the people who were going to be reading this book. This is a book that talked to teens on their level in a way that is not patronizing, even though saying that phrase is patronizing as hell, but it did. And it gave them an ending from a from a lady, from a mangaka who was more mature, who was further down the road that said, here's how you can handle these things. And here's where this might end up. And things don't always work out with your high school boyfriend. And that's okay. Don't stay. And if they do work out, that's great. But know that, that you both have to put real work in. I think that that's a pretty good, it's a hell of a lot better of a message than fucking we got in Hot Gimmick. Put it that way. Let me, for the record, let me just say, yeah. I don't hate Mawako out of the... the, the <laughs> you said she uh, was the most annoying. Well, she's ex- very annoying. <laughs> yeah. But I don't hate her. Like, out of the, the four kind of main characters, like the two couples, she's yeah. the one I like the most, only by virtue of the fact that she is uh, a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other three, I, I have difficulty believing that. What about yeah. Isabella? Yeah. Isabella seems pretty neutral. 
uh, Isabella is again, she's nothing. She's like not a character. Like she's 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 on the outside and she's just like, mm. here, I'm coming in, give you some advice. I'm gonna disappear. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna tell you this nice story, and then that's mm. it. Like she she's fine. There's nothing to not like or like really about the oh, I loved her as a character. I loved well, I sorry, thought her choice at the in end was interesting. Yeah, I liked rest, any representation at all for trans, like, and this, she was not presented as a trans character when this came out. She presented as sort of a Japanese version of trans or drag, uh, that she yeah. was in drag the whole time. And it wasn't until she gets the, we get the story about her as a little, you know, as being young and getting the, the gift from George that it's really like, oh, this is, this is what this is. Uh, it's not just, I got, I'm experimenting in art school kind of a thing. And that's actually really cool. Like I thought that humanized, that made her from less yeah. of a nothing and more of into a real character for me. No, it it's, it's, it's super cool, especially considering the time this came out. But mm. now reading it as, now, I see it as not enough of a character. Like I would, yeah, I would love more Isabella. They could have added a whole other volume just of her. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I do she, think she she's was. A, she's a bit of a blank character, I think, in in here. And mm. yeah, in terms of representation, it's great. Though I think a modern audience might read this and be like, "Oh, your trans character just stands on the side, gives advice, and doesn't have uh, her own story. That's interesting." Like, yeah, like time, time, time is not going. To... Time has helped this story in some ways and, and, and maybe it's heard it in, in others. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be interesting to see what like a, a new young reader would make of this tale of 2000. <laughs> I would also be interested to, uh, to hear that, but it's also got 20th anniversary written right on the cover. So I hope it can be understood in the context that it was presented. I mean, yeah, modern audiences really understand context. Yeah, that's <laughs> the problem. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, there's a manga series that I'm not going to name because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, to draw negative attention because I don't think it's warranted. But while we were it's at Viz, we were considering. Mind. No, no, man, no, man. <laughs> we were we were considering bringing it in at Viz, and I was like, I don't know. So I went and read all the scanlations because I was, you know, they were there, and I couldn't get to Japan to buy copies of the books. And scanlations painted a. They used some pretty offensive language to describe the trans character that was in the narrative, even though it was a comedy book. And it got more and more extreme as the series went on. And I was kind of like, we can't and shouldn't fucking publish this. Like, how could they in 20, 2019 or whatever it was, 2018, introduce a character like this? Like, this is and describe them that way. This is fucked. And... I got one of our Japanese reading colleagues at the office to read it when we did finally get the Japanese editions in. And he was like, yeah, none of this, none of this anti-trans shit is in there. This is all the scanlator translators, (laughs) personal beefs that they're adding to like make Uh. it sound more internet and more, you know, like funny and whatever with no sensitivity at all. Great. And that was like, Oh, so I think context is important. (laughs) I think, I think context is more important than ever when reading and taking things in. And the the manga as published doesn't have any, you know, any anti-trans stuff in it at all uh, because of really thoughtful handling, which I really appreciate. And I'm sure (laughs) the actual trans readers do as well. But I will say 
that I was concerned about how they were going to handle this because there was some stuff in the first volume of Tokyo Pops edition that was translated, you know, in 2001. It was not translated in 2020, or I think this one was translated in 2014, and there was a different, there was a slightly edgier take. So I will say, if you are particularly sensitive to how trans characters are portrayed, I think the 20th anniversary edition, you know, I think it's pretty good for the trans character, like how they're portrayed. I think Isabella is like, you know, there's nothing overly negative about their portrayal. And I, th- I think there's a lot of positive stuff there, but I get exactly what your criticism is that she should have been given more. I agree. The Tokyo mm-hmm. Pop edition, if you find the uh, copies on uh, on a shelf or whatever, just that first chapter, they're not, they are not, I don't want to say politically correct, but they use terminology that even at the time was pretty harsh. Uh, and it's not terrible, and it, but it does like... You think you don't like Yukari now, but when you, you know, she's uh, (laughs) openly questioning the gender of one of her new friends in front of, you know, a street full of people. Yeah, you have some real beef with Yukari at that point. And I think the way it's described here, the situation is described here is much, much better. I think the way that Isabella is treated. So I wanted to like get that out of the way because I do think context is important for this one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I was going to say, do you think George being bi was ever used for anything but a punchline? I think that at the end, they really clearly were like, yeah, yeah, no, I've been absolutely fucking sagey. Like when he's driving, mm-hmm. what's her name to the airport to go back to London? And he says, yeah, he sucked enough of my blood over the years that, you know, I may as well use his connections for whatever. Yeah, he's definitely been having a sexual relationship with that teacher <laughs> where it it's, I would say, 99% sure that that's happening. But I do think the the bisexual thing absolutely was put in there as like a shocking titillating thing at the beginning and then at the end when it's like i know i'm wrapping the series up here we go but is it it became more it came more to the fore so was it a shocking titillating thing for the reader or shocking titillating thing for george uh for the reader for the it was for for both i think it was for george to see more worldly and cool because he's bisexual like brian slade was in velvet goldwyn uh but also it's just that's when homosexuality was tossed around like fashion. Like it was literally 1999, 2000. It was a very, very, very different time. Like it was very, oh, it's fashionable to be bi. It's fashionable to say you have gay friends. It's fashionable, whatever, which is like shitty. <laughs> saying well, there, was it out a lot right of, now. there was a lot of androgynous, like a lot of androgynous stars. stuff. Yeah. But also at the time, Going from being fashionable to being like openly hated and despised. <laughs> yeah. I'll take yeah. fashionable. I'll take fashionable, <laughs> yeah. man. That's I'm there. It was a good yeah. time. It's like close cigarettes. I don't know. It's, like this, <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> there was a moment where Yukari's like, Oh, now I have to compete with this guy too for George's love. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think George has touched a man other than Arashi, which is just yeah. sort of like a, um, like a chicken queer baiting thing. Yeah. yeah a gay chicken queer baiting situation there with Arashi, yeah. which I, I thought was like, and yeah, him responding with like, you know, homo, keep that out of my butt or whatever. I don't uh, know what the, translation The exact quote is because I okay, go, go. screen grabbed it. Don't aim for my butt. <laughs> yeah. Dang homo. Nice. Yeah. I do like the, yeah. Yeah. Dang homo. <laughs> dang homo. Very <laughs> folksy. <laughs> but they do feel like friends, which I appreciated. Like it's yeah. not, it's Arashi being crappy, but there's a level of intimacy there that I think makes it different if he was just some rando off the street. You know? Yeah, for sure. So speaking of translation, then, in the Tokyo Pop edition, don't stick that thing in my butt, you poof. Which is, in wow. this version, Arashi is given a British accent, a hardcore Johnny Rotten British oh. accent. 
wow. through the whole thing that never, almost never lets up. Almost never lets really? up. Really? And Miwako is given like that cutesy baby talk. George speaks with an even more disaffected thing going on. Isabella and Yukari, their translations are pretty accurate. But mm-hmm. if you've read and internalized this series, if you've lived in this world and ex- experienced these characters, and Arashi's got a British accent and Miwako talks like, you know, cutesy baby girl, to have those removed in the vertical edition does feel like a betrayal. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> probably. <laughs> better overall but it's like his arashi's um here this is just for david arashi's british accent was as thick in the tokyo pop paradise kiss as the country bumpkin accent was in club nine for the lead character in club (gasps) nine (laughs) the like osaka dialect translated like y'all and and you know it's like a fucking episode of hee-haw like (laughs) yeah and that is not the trend in translation these days. The trend is towards being more accurate. So it is interesting because the scene between Arashi and Hiro, where he is like psychoanalyzing Arashi and gets to the heart of like what their first sexual reaction was. And that was all described and not shown, which is good. Way less triggering that way, I think, is more obtuse in the Tokyo Pop version and not in like a deliberately trying way. But in like I read that and I had to reread it through the Tokyo Pop rereads. And then I read the um, the vertical afterwards, and it was like these are very different. These scenes have very different tones, and it's much much more direct in the vertical one, which does yeah, it does reflect even worse on Arashi, uh, which I think is interesting. It's an interesting choice, and it's also I, a choice. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that was the scene that I liked the least in the book. I think. Oh really? Like I had so many. Yeah, I thought the I thought it was very well written and well presented, but I was like what human would react like this especially Mm. like if it's about like a woman you loved or honestly any woman like being admitting to your friend that you know he assaulted someone that you're both interested in but you're okay with it because she came to terms with it is very complicated like it's it's not an easy situation but in the story it almost felt like icing on the cake like we knew their relationship was kind of toxic we knew that both of them wanted but you didn't to get better. Yeah. But I feel like you kind of did. Like you didn't know exactly why, but you mm. could intuit that like Arashi sucks. And <laughs> he does they suck. genuinely like each other, but like they're very much teenagers about this. Like they don't know their way through love. Uh, mm. Which I thought was a theme throughout the book is like George doesn't know, Yukari doesn't know, everyone's just trying different things. Mm. But adding on assault to their story, which was, you know, sort of a split love triangle, like a destroyed group of childhood friends. It just felt like extra drama that I didn't necessarily buy into. It's it's mm. it's interesting you you point out the fact that like Hero's kind of like saying he's okay with it because she's moved on or dealt with it because yeah. it, it actually weirdly reflects the the scene with Yukari being angry about the Grand Prix and them being like no your anger's yeah. not here like we we have dealt with this we're good with this so you need to push that aside like mm-hmm. it's a weird reflection of that scene it's almost like the author's just like trying to like get that point home but in a situation where maybe the anger is a lot more justified you know? yeah mm-hmm. like i would have expected that to be a at least foreshadowing i think yeah there's a tv show that i shouldn't say the name of because it would spoil the show but they revealed mm-hmm. that the main character was abused as a kid and they reveal this like five episodes for the season finale. And I had this thought where I was like, oh, 
they couldn't reveal it before now because otherwise the entire show would have had to have been about this point. Yeah. But by revealing it so late, it almost makes it seem like they're kind of glossing over it a little bit. So it's definitely like a catch 22. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that she did very well with the choice that she made, but I was like, Oh, come on. Like I already like hope for the best for this trio, you know, this is just a little bit too much for me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's as a story, it makes it harder to read for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I read a couple of reviews today, and no one likes Arashi. He doesn't come out in the end, <laughs> which <laughs> no, I think really? is, is accurate. But I think it's interesting that Mawako likes Arashi and continues mm-hmm. to like Arashi and has nothing but options to like move away from him, move out of his life. Like she's the one that wants him in her life. Like she makes that decision and gives him the space to figure out how to stay there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've never seen anything like that in a manga. Like I've literally never seen anything like that in a manga. And Same I think here. That that's it. Well, sorry. And, yeah. <laughs> and I think coming from a, and if it was, sorry, if it was last week's or not last week's episode, last week's episode that we actually put out, which was 9 billion needles. And it was a female character being written by a dude. Yeah. This book would probably just get burned. Like this would be a burned book. But the fact that this is like a woman who's like maybe trying to process some of her own thoughts about life through Mm -hmm. all these characters, I think is really interesting. And the other point that I haven't brought up yet, this series, when they mentioned that like, you know, Hiro, Arashi and Miwako used to be friends as a kid. There's a manga of that. There's a three-volume series that's never been released in English called uh, Gojinko something or other. Uh, Monogatari. Yeah, Neighborhood Story. Yeah. And I didn't know about it until like volume three when it's they show like the the old man characters. If you don't recognize him, he's from (laughs) this. And then I had to look it up and go like, oh, this is a sequel story. And like Mikako is actually the main character in that. Uh, yeah. sister. The older sister, yeah, yeah is sister. the main okay. Character so I the thought the three one. kids were going to be the main character, and I was like, she went from a comic about kids to this. Like that's right, wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, that's it's if you're following along in real time, like when you read Neighborhood Story and then you read this, the characters age up the way like where mm-hmm. you are at your in your life. You know what I mean? Which I think mm-hmm. is a really really interesting choice for this, where. Yeah, you are at this point where you're like now 16, 17, 18 and starting to make these decisions about school and relationships and joining the workforce and how you're going to interact, choose to interact with your parents. There's such a variety of choosing to interact with your parents like Arashi, who's the biggest asshole. We, I, I think we all agree, mm-hmm. has maybe clearly the most present and best parents. Uh, whenever they're like vaguely shown, they're like, yeah, no, he's not from a broken home. He's not anything. He's just deeply, deeply, deeply insecure and is projecting all those insecurities onto Milwaukee. Milwaukee's parents don't live in the country and she's still pretty great. Yukari's, you know, obviously got broken home issues there. George's, we we get actually the most out of George's family, uh, which yeah. is such a weird thing when you think about it. But I guess, you know, But it explains a lot about why... Oh, I've been calling her Yukari. It's Yukari, sorry. It does explain a lot about him in, in a way I think is... Uh, that I think mm-hmm. is interesting. I mean, it's yeah. the, the way that the story unfolds and like you know reveals these things is interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, for if sure. You, if you didn't have his parents in there, then George would be just irredeemable as a character. Like, yeah, like <laughs> to, to to give at least a glimpse into why he is the way he is definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, Kaori just at the end, the, char- the character of Kaori comes in at the end and just kind of seems incidental. Is that the, the London fashion designer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, but, I, but, she plays a, but she plays a role in moving the plot, certain parts of the plot forward. She yeah. felt like the example of what uh, the next step is for all these characters. Like, I, I actually, yeah. I really appreciate that character because she came in at the right moment um, to be like, to kind of be there to show that this is just a bunch of teen drama that she doesn't yeah. really have anything to do with. And mm-hmm. she's the voice of reason. She doesn't fall for George's shtick. And then she, and she leaves, right? She comes in and she goes. She's yet another character for uh, Yukari to go wildly jealous of immediately. <laughs> you only need Which one. Great. Like, that's the thing. That's, that's the other thing about Yukari is that, like, time after time, she goes totally batshit jealous wild crazy for anyone near george because george and, never lets her feel secure yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah like that's yukari's a mess but like between her mom and george constantly fucking with her yeah. like i had a lot more sympathy for yukari than you did i think yeah no for sure and like i'm not saying she's in a good situation though you know the the other thing is just like oh her 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 choice of to be a, a model is not one that really resonates with me as a <laughs> big, hard kind of career decision. <laughs> See, but this this ticks off all the boxes for like 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 from a female point of view. It's kind of like, oh wow, that's amazing, you know that you know she's there's this you know like caterpillar to butterfly thing. And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. she becomes pretty. Yeah. She, she slowly, you know, like she finds a career that means meaning more meaningful to her than mm-hmm. what she, what the path she was originally on. Mm. She's in fashion and fashion, super glamorous. <laughs> she, oh, has, yeah. she has to wear pretty clothes. You know, it's, it, it ticks off all these Disney princess fantasy. Oh, like for sure. Boxes. Right. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. it's, it's like, you know, it's kind of like your dog's, I'm a cat, and this is catnip, and you're like, what's, what's this shit here? What's this oregano stuff? <laughs> I, I, I see it. I, I, I get it. There's a lot of. I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a. I grew up in Marvel comics. Like the the fantasy of it all appealed to me greatly as a as a young man, and I can see that appeal here for mm-hmm. her and finding this bohemian lifestyle and crowd with just the, the handsomest man I've ever seen who's going to like take her virginity and he has the great away from her abusive mother well, yeah all, all of it a, she, a new way of being she's she's shown to be beautiful in this glamorous life and like it's all i i totally i totally get it and and mm-hmm. you know like if i was the intended audience you know his line which i'm going to use from here on which is i'll make you so satisfied you die you can die. <laughs> like I get it. There's, there's. I mean, look, yeah. I, I grew up on romance novels and soap operas. I love this kind of stuff, but at least all those had, like, a, like I say, just, a, just a bit more tweaks to the characters to make me actually root for them more, more than than this ended up doing. From also for me on a personal level, like jealous, jealousy plot lines are uh, are just like a just a needle in me. Like I, mm. I, I, I can't stand them okay. and it just had multiple ones. So I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I mean, like, I, like, I don't like, um, people put in endless misery plots. Like, mm-hmm. I, like 
I don't like planes, trains, and automobiles because it's just this endless cascade of misery. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> That's so what, true. Why did I think that movie was a comedy? But I find it, I can't deal with it. On, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, we watched it like as a family here, me and my in-laws, because uh, we all remembered it as being this fun comedy. And like halfway through, we're just like, oh my God, can this just please end? Like, it's just too much. Yeah. Uh, like Chip, I was having a hard time uh, relating to the main character because, mm. you know, like I was a teen boy. I was on the other side of the equation, I suppose. Uh, but I did talk to a friend of mine, Jamila Rouser, who mm. uh, she loves this stuff. Like she loves Donna. She loves Ayazawa, Erika Sakurazawa. And she mm. said pretty much the draw was like no one was making comics like this, especially in the U.S. at the time. Yeah. You couldn't really oh, go yeah. to a comic shop and get fashion romance monthly. No, and the messy relationships like reflected things that she'd like seen or experienced in her life. So there was like a real connection there, and I can totally see it. Reading this, talking to her, I realized, oh, it's a book about first love and how that's not permanent. It's often messy because you don't know what you're doing with anything when you're a teenager. The adults tell her that over and over and over, and I think that really struck me. Like when she goes to the owner of the modeling agency who we see like three times and is like, I need advice on how to walk down a catwalk. And she says, convince yourself you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And Yukari does not get it. She's like, I don't need advice on that. I need a way to walk. And it's like, yeah. she gave you the way to walk. Like this is, yeah. this is wisdom, yeah. but it's about teenagers. So they're not going to grasp onto that wisdom. Yeah. So it's an interesting, like being a 37 year old dude and finding like my way in like that kind of conflict was what I had to learn to like recognize to pick up on. Yeah. So I mean I read fight manga. Like if there's not fists of flying you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kisses flying here. Yeah. And so that was another thing that bothered me is they have their first kiss and then like four chapters later they're still doing well they won't they. Yeah. But and that it seems like such a huge thing to but- me too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my expectations are so far off. I'm like I don't know. But it yeah, was still like really well done. Yeah, in a lot of ways, more impressive. In a lot of ways, it felt like they had like a really you know solid introduction, solid end, and a couple of like really big points. Mm-hmm. But then they 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 will they won't they to kind of fill out a lot of it because that's yeah. what kind of would would bring the reader back because you know they're reading it monthly installments, so they kind of want that where they push mm-hmm. away and then come back together and who is, are they with them or are we together? Like there's a lot of that going on here where it's, it is interesting reading it all in just this kind of one chunk because mm-hmm. um, you can see, if you don't see, you don't necessarily see the seams of the chapters, but you do see the chapterification of it throughout the whole story. If that makes any yeah. sense, which is, you know, I mean, I, doing marvel and dc stuff i i i get that too like i'm never going to be be able to tell like a novel story mm-hmm. in the in the you know issue a month format and and that's that's kind of the problem here as well like i think if if, if the author had been like i'm going to do an 800 page story it would it would actually maybe clean up a little a bit of that kind of the middle stuff yeah that, mm-hmm. that you were having kind of issues with too I think the drawings were pretty much awesome throughout, yeah. though. Uh, yeah, there was yeah. one page early on where Yukari invites Hiro to like lunch with Miwako, 
and there's like a panel of her smiling and laughing and him being like, oh no. And then two giant panels of Miwako and Hiro looking terrified. <laughs> and it's like the best, like, <laughs> you just did something incredibly stupid and you have no idea how dumb page yeah. I've seen in ages. Yeah, it's all it's like stark really black good. and white too. Yeah. It's it's a gorgeous it's a gorgeous book and really, really well done. Yeah. Being able to recognize that quality despite being so far out of the target audience uh, really speaks a lot to Yazawa's style. Because um, there have been mm-hmm. some like shoujo books I've just bounced off completely. Mm-hmm. And thinking about this one, I think that like Chip hates jealousy. I hate will they or won't they? Uh-huh. Because all the shoujo stuff that I've latched onto or like romance manga more generally has been like they're together and now the story starts. Not like, are they going to get together? Are they good together? It's more like a done deal for me. I, I like I like the will they won't they stuff like I'm I'm mm. I'm really drawn to that, mm-hmm. the, but with this one because I didn't necessarily want them together, <laughs> the will they won't they and the fact that they did get together and then didn't and then got together and kind of didn't and we're kind of back on, yeah um, that that kind of soured me on on that part a fair amount. I was waiting for it to turn to Helter Skelter a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah. it's like there, were just, there were just enough dark turns to where I was yeah. like, is this going to, like, even though Yukari's very yeah. annoying, I still wanted her to have a good life, like to win in the mm-hmm. end for whatever winning might mean for her. Yeah. And there were just enough dark turns where I was like, this is going a little too well for her and something horrible is going to happen. Oh, I was mm. so glad that the catwalk went well. because Yeah, I, I was actually I, so I, relieved. I <laughs> I think I would have cried if it had gone poorly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Did you all notice that there's a lot of unhappy single mothers in this book? Mm, Not until I you pointed that, that out. Wow. And I think the only happy adult relationship, like or even healthy adult relationship, is with Mikako and uh, her husband, Tsutomu. The photographer, yeah. 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 Oh, Arashi's parents are happy, too, and they're still together as well. Do we see his dad? We see yeah. his mom for sure. No, we yeah. see his mom and dad at one point, maybe in a flashback when he's young. The dad right. is like on a poster on the wall, like he's a rock star. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah, yeah. And, it, and it has a little arrow that says, dad. Okay. That would explain why his mom is also, like I thought his mom was his sister when she first showed up. I was like, I know. oh, it's like the punk family. Yeah. But yeah, her mother, Yukari's mother is very uh, obviously hurt by her relationship with Yukari's father. George is dad's mother situation is whatever it is i've never seen anything like that in manga either yeah and i think even like yukari's mother sucks and i don't this isn't like a i'm not racist but but i see where she's coming from i just think her execution of like i want my daughter to have a better life than i did is so terrible yeah but so I, but so typical of nope, the, i got that no i got no leeway for her oh. <laughs> Uh, I can't speak to that. <laughs> but, no, I'm just uh, saying I'll like take that, your word for it. that there's a there's a there's that pressure, right? And particularly, I think mm-hmm. in, in Japanese, like stereotypically Japanese, like because there's such an emphasis on getting into the right school, and then the right school mm-hmm. leads to the right next right next school, and the next school, and the next and the college. And if you if you get off the get off that cadence at any time, your life is ruined. Yeah, yeah. It's super. It's super pressuresome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly why I got it. Actually, the night I graduated high school, I had a huge fight with my mom about what I was going to do in the future. Because I was like, I'm mm. going to be an English major. And she's like, you're going to be broke. What is wrong with you? 
And it was like a whole thing. Wow. So I understand that aspect of their relationship. I just yeah. think the mother, when she's like, uh, what was the thing you said, Chris, about don't make me hit you or whatever? She literally says, if you don't, and he's she, like, Yukari Ghost is comes in late or whatever. And has her, and this is after they've made up. Uh, yeah. Her mom's like, pulls her hand back to hit her. And she's like, don't, whatever, hit me, but don't hit my face. I'm a model. I have a shoot. And she fucking just belts her across the face anyway. And it's like, yeah. if you don't want me to hit you, don't piss me off. And it's like, Oof. I like, think that is uh, way beyond the pale. That's crossing a line. That's not yeah. like we had a fight, mother yeah. and mother and daughter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't mother and daughter, if somebody said, "Don't hit me in the face. I'm a model." I would definitely hit them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and you go to jail. I know. I know. Only if you lost. There. <laughs> um, but Yukari's mother is a good contrast to George's mother, mm-hmm. Yukino, who very much checked out of her son's life. It was like, I'll just make sure my son is can smile or whatever, give him no structure or anything, and we'll just be rich and he'll be happy. And like it backfires horribly because George is a terrible person. Yeah. Though sometimes very kind, but overall terrible. But the moment when Yukari kind of unloads on her, I kept thinking like, oh, like this is her moment where she grows up as a mother. And then eventually Yukari's mother would also have to have that moment where she, when she realizes, oh, my daughter is a success as being a model or a success at being a model. Maybe my fears were way out of control or something like that unfounded yeah or unnecessary <laughs> absolutely she's so unnecessary. extreme and so unlikable like people get slapped so often in manga and it's always a surprise to me because mm. it so rarely happens in american comics i feel yeah, yeah. especially in like familial superhero. units yeah yeah is that is that a challenge to me the it is absolutely a challenge, <laughs> F- Mr. Fantastic Four writer. <laughs> you can, like, you know, that way the house husband, the way, like, he, you know, the immortal dragon, like, slaps him, crosses yeah. him, makes him roll, like, five or six times and go through a plate glass window. Yeah. That's, that's a slap. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Yukari was still bruised the next day, and that's where it was just like, oh, I don't care what this happens to this mom anymore. She doesn't deserve a re- redemption arc. Yeah. Because she hasn't. She hasn't sought redemption. She doesn't think anything she's doing is wrong. At she least George's, dime. George's shitty mother, who is shitty, finally, finally gets that maybe she fucked up after Yukari goes psycho on her, to be fair. Yeah. But like the woman who's Yukari been dating psycho- his son for six days. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say two weeks. Well, dating. What's dating? Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? We fucked and now we live together. Like there is. Yeah. There was not really a lot of dates, maybe like two dates <laughs> no. in there. But like she tries for redemption. Like she doesn't know mm-hmm. how. And it's really clearly shown she has no idea what she's doing, but she realizes finally she's fucked up. You never get that with Yukari's mom. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really, and her even the dad, like even George's shitty dad who's wealthy and doesn't need to worry about anything is like, yeah, I have put too much pressure on this kid and I've been kind of a shitty absent dad. Not going to change now, but the least I can do is like write up a contract so his mom won't die alone. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that's that's perfectly in keeping with the character. That's all yeah. George actually needed at that point. I thought that like there's so many things that are so masterfully woven together in this that I actually did forgive the stuff that does stick out a little bit more because it's like it feels intentional. If the rest of this was really slapdash, yeah, I would have a lot harder of a time, especially with the really like the shitty Arashi stuff and the shitty like the shitty sex that they have at the last time between um, Yukari and uh, George, but everything is intentional in this. There's like a real, like the, everything that's on the page is something the author wants to communicate. 
And I think it starts with, we're going to break the fourth wall every once in a while. And it ends (laughs) with the hard, hard decisions and hard fuck ups that the characters make. Like this is all intentional. And so I give it a lot more leeway personally. I mean, didn't you think she hit, she hit the landing? I mean, I love the ending. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's great. Actually, I think for me, like that hit the landing mark was when Kari asks George's dad for freedom for George instead of like a free ride. I thought yeah. that was probably the most masterful touch in the book for me. Yeah. Because it yeah, shows was, how well she great. understands her friend who's kind of a dick and needs a push. Is Kaori the least shitty character? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Out I mean, of it's everybody? like her or Miwako. Uh, well, I like the, I actually really love the lady that runs the modeling agency. I think she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sex in the City. I read a book about her. <laughs> like, moving through life doesn't give a like, But she's like, like, I rented an expensive office, so it do well. I was like, come <laughs> on, lady. <laughs> so real. So real, though. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I want a oh. whole book of women like her. <laughs> yeah, same boat. <laughs> oh, what manga is that? That's Mayoko Ano's Buffalo Five Gals. Tokyo oh, there Tata you go. Girls. <laughs> Tokyo Tatareba Girls. Oh, we got to read Tokyo Tatareba Girls. That was oh, my... I shouldn't say too much because um, we've said a lot and Chip hasn't read it yet, but Tokyo Tatareba Girls was my main point of reference for this one. Point of comparison, oh, okay. I should say, because it was my favorite Jose, I think, hands down. Mm. And it also deals with relationships in a very human and real, like, brutal way. <laughs> yeah. And oh. I would love to see a teen version in that style for this kind of book where the characters aren't quite as bad, but they keep getting into horrible situations. Mm. You know what? This, this came out at the same time as that remake of dangerous liaisons with Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, cruel intentions, oh. cruel intentions. <laughs> and it's maybe nice. Like it's, I think it's on that level for sure. Like I don't yeah. think, I think there's maybe it veers a little bit closer to the sun than that one does, but like this doesn't, none of this book, exists in a vacuum for me like this was mm-hmm. where the culture was at maybe around that time that's funny we got cruel intentions this week and then you uh, referenced cheese all that in the uh <laughs> in the seven billion needles episode which just just was released it's pretty good yeah yeah i don't yeah it's um i feel like this i feel like deb has been really clear all along that this comes out of a tradition of stuff that i don't know i'm kind of glad it makes people uncomfortable. I, and that's, yeah. you know, and I, of course I picked this and I picked Helter Skelter, which we actually got a comment, I think on Twitter that was like, I read that and I never want to read it again. And so I skipped that episode or something. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> right on. Like, wow. that's you know I want you to have uh, strong feelings about. So yeah. yeah. Like, like this that. book, I would never chill and read it on like a sunny day, but no. it was, <laughs> I would totally recommend it. I mean, it's good. Yeah. 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 I would too. It was raining Monday when I read it. All right. So, oh, and Deb, would you like to get final thought on it? I really enjoy this. I love the setting. I love the art. I think it's, you know, whenever we, we try to recommend iconic creators to new mm-hmm. author readers, it can be really hard to suggest a, um, the work that they're best known for. Like Nana mm-hmm. is fantastic, but Nana Nana's another manga by Ayazawa. Is 27 okay. volumes and not finished because she's on hiatus. And she has yeah. been on professional hiatus for like the last two or three maybe five years is it public as to why that is um so in 2009 ayazawa went into the hospital and interrupted the serialization of nana mm-hmm. for an undisclosed medical issue is the only way it's ever been phrased she was yeah. released from hospital in 2010 so almost a year later and hasn't 
regularly produced manga since. She's done a couple of illustrations here or there. She hasn't talked about her condition almost at all, except to say that it can be when she sits down to draw, she often feels like fainting right away from pain. So mm. something's going on. Jesus, right. sensei. Uh, we don't want to pry too much, obviously, but it has meant that Nana, which was the most popular shoujo, which became a Jose halfway through at the time it was being released, has been on a hiatus for a very, very long time. And, you know, I, I think we all wish Yazawa sensei well, just as we wish Okazaki sensei well. And, you know, so many, so many mangaka have had to take breaks like this due to health issues. Comics is a, is a really rough game. So in as much as we might criticize the series, even a series we like, even a series we don't like, just remember it probably nearly killed the person who put it together. Oh so yeah. Yeah. Just never be kind. Be so kind. This is not for you guys. This is for the, for the internet who I see like, more and more every day harassing creators directly on twitter like please be kind comics is tough especially manga especially manga so if this is a way that we can it we can introduce anyone to a creator who i think is really great yeah uh, then this it's a nice and even though it was a big big thing to chew (laughs) it is it is the most bite-sized way to introduce you to ayazawa so yeah Sorry. I kind of love. I kind of love that we it was like Paradise Kiss. It's one book, and it's like it's one eight hundred and fifty <laughs> yeah. page book. Uh, and this is the digital to physical comics divide because, like, I didn't read the description before I bought the ebook because you know, yeah, why not? But I assume that when you buy the physical version, you're like, oh, this is a brick. But as an ebook, it's just a screen. Like, there's no, yeah. no expectations until you hit that chapter page, and it's like forty eight. Are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got, I got to admit, I was, I was a little upset when I went to download it like Sunday morning. It yeah. took until Monday. Like, no, I'm- like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, but I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we read it. Yeah, we it was well worth someone, it. We had someone ask a question. We're, we're not at the Q and A part yet, but ask a question like, "Hey, I'm a huge, huge, huge manga fan," is what this person asked. But I don't really like North American comics. I find that they're not like I don't drive with how they're told. Basically, I don't. It doesn't work for me, storytelling wise. They like you know Los Bros Hernandez. They like Jeff Smith on Bone, but they don't really like a lot of superhero comics. They don't really like even a lot of indie or art comics. They find them difficult to read in a way that, from them, manga isn't. So I thought a nice feature we could add to this that would be like a quick one sentence from each of us to the podcast we'll going see. forward <laughs> is: Can you think? of a non-manga series that you would recommend for someone who enjoys Paradise Kiss or for whatever manga we end up covering in the future. Because I think if we're going to get a lot of manga readers listening to this, because we are, it's not just people who have never read manga before, I'd love to be able to like push people back the other way to check out some of the great other international, North American, French, Franco-Belgian, you know, mm-hmm. Indian. And like, there's so many great comics that are being made in the world. What would you recommend? What do you think you might recommend to someone who liked Paradise Kiss? I feel like I am the wrong person to ask. (laughs) 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 No, I just, I honestly, I don't read too many um, romance comics in general. Mm. But I think that maybe something like Katie Skelly's work would be in a similar vein, though it's oh for fan graphics, Nurse, Nurse. Yeah. I actually think that that's a great recommendation. I totally, I could totally see that. I'd have to really think to get like a specific book, but kind of her aesthetic, I feel like comes out of a similar tradition. Yeah. What about A Girl in Dior by Anne Gotzinger? 
Goat Singer, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So that's NBM published that one. It's a Franco-Belgian book, and it's about the history of the House of Dior in France. If you're into the fashion of this, uh, that's actually really uh, what a great recommendation. Uh, deep deep dive, Deb. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very pretty, and she's a she's a. It's also a female creator. It's beautifully done. She died mm-hmm. recently, I think. But her yeah, she did pass gorgeous. away, unfortunately. Or what about um, Tamara Drew? No, Tamara Drew's like a like a Jose kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, that's actually about a middle aged woman, which is such a rare, such a rare thing in comics. Actually, there are just like no middle aged female protagonists at all. <laughs> like I can't really even think of you know. You know what? Because by the time you get to middle age, you don't feel like drawing no more comics. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> Takes too well, much damn time. <laughs> <laughs> makes makes almost no money. <laughs> would 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 Snot Girl be a good? Oh, oh good one. Oh, good actually, one. yeah, those characters are reprehensible. Yeah, she's largely. a model, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that might be. <laughs> yeah, it's Snot pretty Girl. good. Those are great recommendations. Thank you very much. And as the host, I'm not going to go. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, I see how it is. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Wow. For- wow. Listening to our podcast about uh, Paradise Kiss. After the break, we'll get to some real reader Q&As and talk about, I don't know, some other stuff. Thanks so much for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back. Just in time for Q&A, this episode's running a little long, so we'll hurry it along. We got a question <laughs> on Twitter from Rossi underscore TG, and it was, have any of you tried reading manga or watching anime not in English? I feel manga arrived relatively late in the English-speaking world, but French and Italian translations are brilliant. In particular, some early classic works not available in English. Besitos. Uh, or besitos. I think it's actually funny because uh, Gojinko Story is actually available in French prequel to Paradise Kiss, but it's not available in English. But uh, no, I don't actually, I've actually tried to read a lot of manga in French, but it uses so much slang, my French isn't quite up to it. Anybody anybody have a better answer than that? I've got an anecdote. A, oh, okay. It's related, um, but I, you know, I have a lot of manga in Japanese that I read. I don't read Japanese well yet, but I'm working on it. But the first time I read Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was actually in Italian. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, this was in the 90s, actually, which really blew my mind. I didn't know anything really about like manga or anything proper like that. I knew about like Super Manga Blast, but not manga as a category. But my mom went over to Italy for a vacation or some kind of work trip, and she knew that I liked comic stuff, but she hated all the comics I liked, so she didn't pay too close attention. <laughs> so it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, comics, they're all the same. So she brings me back this little purple book, and it's the next to last volume of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable. And it's this really long fight scene. There's like blood everywhere. The drawings are really awkward and strange. Similar to Paradise Kiss, like very influenced by by fashion. And as a kid, like I read it cover to cover until it came apart, even though I couldn't understand any of it because the drawings were like that cool. Then I forget about it for like 10 years. And now uh, about four months ago, I edited that volume of manga myself, like into English. Oh, wow. 
which was oh. a wild, like full circle. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so I haven't read many French and Italian translations. I know some things are very big over there. Uh, Lupin the Third, not Tayo Matsumoto. Uh, Leiji Matsumoto's work is really big in Europe, mm. but my Spanish is too rusty to pick anything up. I've got a couple of Naoki Urasawa books in Spanish, but I think that's it. Mm. It is weird uh, how late we got so much manga that our manga boom mm-hmm. happened here but it had that there had already been a boom and a bust in france and they're hitting mm-hmm. boom times again and the diversity of what's released in france because the market is so much bigger really marginal titles become very become uh, tenable in france it's also creating yeah. a problem because if you can release anything and it'll sell two thousand copies no matter what it is the shelves get a little crowded there just are fewer people in france than there are in the in continental North America, or in the English speaking, uh, in, in English speaking, but they North publish America. so much. Uh, they yeah. really do. They really, really do, and it's all kind of doing okay. Not good enough to pay a living wage for a lot of it, but enough that you can scrape by while you make your next book. And manga is is a big part of that as well. So we've got to redefine doing okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If you're a reader, it's literally the greatest. If you're a manga reader and you can read French, it's literally the greatest time to be alive. They get so, so much. <laughs> Not so great for people making original comics in France because so many, and there's, whatever, there's there's discussions. I'll put some, I'll drop some links in the show notes. Yeah, they went, they, mm-hmm. they, there's, there was full-on protests, right? When we went to Full-on protests, boycotting of different, you know, the Angoulême and different festivals, talks about creator wages and stuff. Uh, it's it's all really interesting and relevant, but yeah, from a readership standpoint, it's it's a good time to be there. From a creating standpoint, it's like everywhere, maybe maybe kind of tough, maybe everywhere, including Japan. I will say that yeah. the most recent French manga I bought was when I was in France last, was this anthology of Inio Asano short stories. He does Dead Dead Demons, Destruction, but also a bunch of other stuff like Nijigahara Holograph and Goodnight Pun Pun. Oh man, you were upset about this one. <laughs> Wait, we make yeah. you read Goodnight Pun Pun. Are we really? Eventually. Well, eventually. I'm not going to pick it right away. <laughs> but this collection of short stories is contemporaneous with Dead Dead Demons. It's He would do a short story every once in a while during the Dead Dead Demons uh, serialization. It's amazing. It says right on the front, it's like the new, like the last or the newest, most recent release from Japan, from Inio Asano. And Inio Asano has a huge following in, in Japan as well. He came to TCAF in 2016. So I, I know to most people then. who cried meeting him. <laughs> yeah, that happens when Mangaka come. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, something like this. If Viz is listening, there's if you want to put that out. If, if Viz, other than David, is listening, and you want to put that out, I'd love to. I'd love to have to not keep struggling through it in French. That'd be awesome. There's also three more short story collections in between this one and the last one you released in English that you could maybe put out. Jeez, that's okay. Downfall is pretty good. Maybe we'll read that one too. Oh, oh my fuck. God, no. Don't yeah. This is, episode has touched on some difficult and dark subjects, but let, it, let me assure you, dear readers and dear Chip, we've only scratched the surface of the darkness <laughs> iceberg that is adult manga. I don't have anything else for this episode. I don't even have a shout out ready. How are you guys feeling? You want to, uh, you want to give it a go? I, I just want to do a shout out to David's mom for accidentally introducing him <laughs> to Italian manga. That is actually yeah. the best anecdote. It's a great origin story. And it's not even like <laughs> I became obsessed with the book. It was just like a thing that was cool and then I moved on. You know, like a random yeah. issue of X-Men and yeah. then yeah. suddenly it's back in my life. <laughs> wow. Destiny! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is actually just really crazy that you became the editor of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure 
years yeah. after being given it and not knowing what it was. Uh, anyway, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it looks sounds like we're good for this oh, episode. Let me let me uh, oh, oh let me shout out Deb, two things. Let's do it. Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. So if you like fashion manga, there's Smile Down the Runway by Kotoba Inoya about mm. a boy. It's a show. It's a shonen manga about a boy who becomes a fashion designer. Wow. Um, and it covers some of the same territory, but not as much assholes. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. All right. And and virtually no romance. I'll say that right off the top. Oh, boo. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm into and then, it. <laughs> there's Boys Run the Riot, which is uh, by Keito Gaku. That's coming out in May. But it's basically notable because the character mm. is trans. Mm. Uh, mm. And apparently the author, the creator of the manga is trans as well. Kodansha just put out a PR about that one, right? Yes, for the Trans Day of Remembrance. Mm-hmm. So they just published the first chapter online, but the, it doesn't. The full volume doesn't come out till uh, May. But it's basically about designing street fashion. All right. Well, cool. we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. That sounds great. All right. Thank you for the shout outs. Thank you all for uh, talking about Paradise Kiss with me today. Can't wait to see what questions and comments we get on this episode when it goes live in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll see you all next time. Take care. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 13. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Naruto by Masashi Kishimoto. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop, and you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. We'd like to thank DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You can just say the musical accompaniment part, and I can splice it in. (laughs) Musical accompaniment. Musical accompaniment. I'm just going to leave all this in now. It's great. Musical (laughs) accompaniment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.